Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Warning. Hi everybody, Ezra Levant here. How you doing? I'm the Rebel Commander, which is another way of saying President of Rebel News Network. I can't believe how much news there is, by the way. Um, the reason there's so much news is that our entire society is being changed. Almost none of it in a democratic manner. By that I mean most of the changes in our lives are not approved by Parliament or indeed by any legislator or politician. They're being done by unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats called public health officers. Um, I think that our parliaments, when they do operate, especially in Canada and the United Kingdom, are ineffective. Our parliamentary systems are set up in an adversarial way. We have the Prime Minister and we also have the, as it's the full title, Leader of Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition. I always turn that phrase around in my head. What does it mean to be a loyal opposition? It means you love the country, you love the Queen, but you're opposing what the Prime Minister says and you're a government in waiting should the Prime Minister's party fall. We believe in dissent and opposition and skepticism and criticism so much that we take the country's biggest complainer and give him the title opposition leader. And we give him resources specifically to do research to oppose and attack the government. We believe in the clash of ideas. And I, I ask you, in the last 18 months, has there actually been a clash of ideas? Have the opposition parties actually opposed? And I don't mean just little details. I mean opposed, in essence, the lockdown of our lives, the rescission of centuries of hard-fought civil liberties. In the main, the answer is no. In Canada, in the UK, and Australia. In the United States, you do see some opposition. It's mainly at the state level, where governors have more power than our Canadian provincial premiers. Typically in the United States, governors who are Republican are resisting lockdowns, face mask mandates, vaccine passports, etc. Whereas politicians in the Democrat or blue states are embracing those things. But at least you have a place to go, Florida, Texas, South Dakota. There's no such place in Canada. You have 10 provinces. You might have thought there would be 10 different approaches. Or if not 10 different approaches, you might have thought that maybe a conservative government would be different than a liberal government or a new Democrat government. It's hard to believe, but British Columbia's new Democrats have actually had a lighter touch than the so-called conservatives of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. Alberta, which has arrested four pastors. Saskatchewan, which I understand is dabbling with vaccine passports. Manitoba was the first to come up with a Vax ID card and has been extremist in its lockdowns, the craziest lockdowns around. And Ontario, home of the worst lockdown in the world, according to the BBC, that's the main city here called Toronto. And just yesterday, you know, the Premier of Ontario, an unreliable, jellyfish-spined politician named Doug Ford, 
he said he was going to have schools resume if I have to drive the school bus myself. Whenever Doug Ford says something like that, designed to show you just how much he means it, my experience with him, and I don't know him that well, although I, I used to know him as an acquaintance. When Doug Ford says something like that, that means he doesn't mean it, and he's about to flip-flop. That's my observation. When he says something that's designed to be extremely dramatic, a real flourish, there will be schools in the fall if I have to drive the bus myself, that means he's not going to. Here, here's the clip if you want to see it. Uh, to come up with a, a strong plan, and it's going to be uh, out very, very shortly. We're going to make sure the kids are going back to school in September. They're going to be in class. I want to repeat that. They're going back. Even if I have to hop in that uh, school bus and drive it myself, the kids are going to be going back uh, to school. And it's going to be a, a great comprehensive uh, plan. Minister Lecce. So you can uh, take it to the bank that schools will not open. Or <clears throat> let, me, let me nuance that a bit. They'll open for a week. Then there'll be cases... And then the teachers union tail will wag the dog. And then they'll do what they've done several times before. Whoopsie, sorry guys. You got to go back and school by Zoom. So if you don't have a laptop at home because you're poor, haha, <laughs> sucks to be you. If you don't have a parent who can stay home and watch the kids, haha, <laughs> sucks to be you. And uh, we're going to lose another year of our children's lives. Um, as if in rebuttal to that brief moment of normalism as opposed to lockdownism, um, an unelected, unaccountable Ontario bureaucrat named Dr. Moore, who I don't think actually has any patience. I don't really like calling these people doctors because, of course, they are, in most cases, medical doctors. They have the degree, but in most cases, they don't have any patients. They haven't practiced medicine in a long time. What they're doing is being unelected politicians with an MD after their name. So they say, I'm a wizard. You must listen to me because if, you, if not, you hate science. So I think the order of events, I'd have to check this, Justin, maybe you know. I think first Doug Ford came out and said, we're going back to school. And then as a rebuttal to him, the public health deep state said, yeah, uh, you may think they're going back to school, but here's what that'll look like if I have anything to say about it. Take a look at this guy be a separate set of rules for vaccinated students versus unvaccinated students in the school system? Yeah, very good question. So we're working on the outbreak management for um, uh, school settings in particular, and there will be a different uh, uh, approach to those that are vaccinated. Um, if, you, if you are two-dose vaccinated plus 14 days, we'll offer you a test if you've been a contact of a high-risk person, so someone that's had ongoing fever and cough or increasing shortness of breath. If you test negative, you can go right back to school. You can go right back to work. So terrific advantage uh, of, of being two-dose immunized by being able to stay in school and attend sports uh, and uh, participate fully in all the social activities of the school setting. If you are not immunized uh, and you've been in uh, contact with a high-risk contact, you'll be off uh, for a minimum of 10 days. You'll have to get two tests, one initially and then another around day seven. Uh, if that test at day seven is positive, you're off for another 10 days. Uh, and you can, you can see that um, 
that is a potential for up to 20 days from school um, directly because you weren't immunized and because you were infectious to others and putting others at risk. So there is an advantage just alone, not uh, uh, to being present in school, full participation in all sports and activities by being immunized. And I hope parents and students see that advantage. So um, he's not making the case based on safety. He's not making the case based on health. He's making the case based on if you don't do this, your child will be suspended for 20 days simply for having contact with someone who is at risk. So not that your kid has the infection, not that your kid caught it from someone, not that your kid was even near someone who had it, but your kid was near someone who was at high risk. You will have a 20-day suspension That's junk science, of course. The virus practically leaves children untouched in terms of serious health consequences. But this unelected, unaccountable, nobody until 18 months ago heard the Premier say schools are opening and said, huh, schools are opening, eh? You sure seemed adamant about that. Well, maybe I can't stop you on that, but if you don't get vaxxed, you're going to be sent home for 20 days and shamed and separated, named and shamed. Not like peer pressure has any place in high schools. That smug son of a bitch is going to demonize children. There is no 20-day quarantine anywhere in the world. There is no 20-day quarantine anywhere in the world. But that self-important nobody just invented a 20-day suspension for any student that doesn't have a vaccine. And you'll notice he didn't talk about medical exemptions, religious exemptions, conscience exemptions, natural immunity. Does he literally work for Big Pharma or does it just have that effect? I can't believe we allow these unelected, unaccountable blowhards to transform our world with the total compliance of not only the governments, but the oppositions too. Um, <clears throat> they use those letters MD, which have generations of trust behind them. They are cashing in the trust from those letters, but abusing it. You know who the high priest of this cult is? It's another doctor who hasn't had a patient in a very long time. Anthony Fauci. I think the most incredible thing I learned, about, I learned about Anthony Fauci in the last year is that he helped fund biological weapons research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology using American taxpayers' dollars. You, if you've never heard this before, you must find that shocking because it certainly is. They give biological weapons research a different name these days. They call it gain of function research, by which they mean a virus, let's give it new functionality, let's this, let this virus do new things, let's make it more dangerous, more virulent, more deadly. They call biological weapons research gain-of-function research, can you believe it? And can you believe that American tax dollars funded it at the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Can you find that Rand Paul versus Fauci exchange? Because I think some people might not believe what I'm saying here. Fauci does not deny this. He does de not deny that the money went from America to the Wuhan Institute of Virology under his watch. 
The one thing he denies is he says that the particular work of testing the weaponization of this virus, he says that doesn't meet the definition of gain-of-function research. So he's quibbling. He doesn't deny that he gave money to that lab. He doesn't deny it was to work on changing these coronaviruses. I think the most incredible thing is the guy who was literally funding Wuhan Institute of Virology is also leading a double life of the guy who's against the virus. You made it. I don't know if the, the virus itself was made in the lab, but he funded coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and he presents himself as the savior against COVID-19. Here, take a look at this exchange with Rand Paul. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress. Microphone. Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its yeah. transmissibility to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. If it didn't I come can, from the lab, but all you, the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally this resent. This committee will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator. So gain of function is such a euphemism. It means biological weapons. And you read, you heard Senator Rand Paul say that increasing transmissibility from animals to humans, obviously that's weaponizing a virus. Anthony Fauci gave money to that lab. Did you know that? How is he even on America's payroll, on America's side. He was the guy who funded that lab. Now you can see there, he says, I didn't fund that. We don't know for sure that the virus came from the lab. Well, as John Stewart <laughs> said uh, the other day, it's a coronavirus from Wuhan. There's a coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Do you think there's a chance the virus came from the coronavirus lab in Wuhan? 
But um, if Anthony Fauci shouldn't be fired because of that conflict of interest, and how can he not be? Like, I just can't get over that. This whole time, you were the guy who was sending American tax dollars to that lab, and you're saying, oh, it's okay because it wasn't gain-of-function research. Rand Paul says it is. But let's say it wasn't. Why, why are you funding a communist Chinese virus lab? What the hell are Americans doing funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology? I shouldn't poke fun at them. Justin Trudeau just gave them $840,000 last year. If you read my book, China Virus, you'll read about it. But if we don't fire him, we, if Americans don't fire Fauci for that, look at this. And is there a less trustworthy man in America? If so, I'd like to know his name. Take a look at this. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course. And, uh, you do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. But good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If in fact you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now, if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is I, that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here where you could get leakage in is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look <laughs> like you are. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they all are um, cracking down on dissent. They um, have demonetized us. They suspended us for a different reason, but they're constantly threatening us over our dissident opinions about the lockdown. You might recall my book, China Virus, was suspended by Amazon, banned twice and then unbanned twice, because they say it contradicts, quote, official sources. And we wrote back and said, well, which official sources are those? Center for Disease Control, something in Canada, something in China, World Health Organization. YouTube says they mean the World Health Organization, which is controlled by China. So um, you can be suspended in most social media 
for giving inaccurate or dangerous information. So when Fauci gave literally every possible answer, every possible permutation of should you wear a mask, should you be vaxxed, he, he like said everything, anything. And he said it all so convincingly. He's a pathological liar. You cannot, you know, you must be an acrobat to be able to talk like this and act like that. And I just, how is every word he says not misinformation since it contradicts another word he says? I don't know, I find it incredible. I asked you, is there anyone in America who lies more easily than Anthony Fauci? I want to show you another incredible video. I think it's devastating. Uh, from the United States. It's not so much about lying, it's about hypocrisy, which is a cousin of lying. This is a speech from Joe Biden when he was a senator and before his cognitive decline. It feels sentimental for that reason. It's a little nostalgic. Before Joe Biden was mentally vacant, he was more irritating back then, but less pitiful. Listen to him talk about his son, Hunter. Take a look. If you have a piece of crack cocaine no bigger than this quarter that I'm holding in my hand, one quarter of one dollar. We passed a law through the leadership of Senator Thurman and myself and others, a law that says if you're caught with that, you go to jail for five years. You get no probation, you get nothing other than five years in jail. Judge doesn't have a choice. Under our forfeiture statutes, you can, the government can, take everything you own, everything from your car to your house, your bank account, not merely what they confiscate in terms of the dollars from the transaction that you just got caught engaging in. They can take everything. I don't care why they become a sociopath, we have an obligation to cordon them off from the rest of society. They are in jail, away from my mother, your husband, our families. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. Well, look, so if anyone is that's calling for yeah, this is a different video here. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, I, I think that was from 1991. That's 30 years ago when um, you might recall that Joe Biden tried to run for president before, but he was, you know, he, he dropped out very soon after it was, you know, I mean, liar, plagiarist, whatever. Um, he's quite a president now, isn't he? I don't know if you can find it quickly. Can you go on Twitter and type in Hunter Biden China? You know, Hunter Biden is a um, ridiculous uh, creature. And in some ways, you can't hang that around a father's neck. I mean, I suppose who else would be a greater influence in a man's life than his own dad? But he is his own man. He makes his own decisions, and you can't hang that around Joe Biden's head, although Joe Biden has continuously worked with Hunter Biden on his worst projects, on punishing Ukraine and rewarding Ukraine if they treat Hunter Biden right and letting Hunter Biden come along to China to make billion-dollar deals. And even now, um, 
Hunter Biden is so clearly selling access to himself and influence. He's a terrible artist. I don't even want to use the word artist. He's like just, you know, kids' birthday parties, they would have splatter parties. They would go, I don't know, it's a thing these days. The kids get, you know, splatter paint on things on a big white piece of paper. And, and it's like, it's a goofy thing. It's, it's not even painting. It's just really a chance to splash with paint. It's a thing. That's the level of Hunter Biden's art, like splatter parties or kids' doodles. But he's selling them for half a million bucks a pop. That's called money laundering. It's like when Hillary Clinton would give a speech for a quarter million dollars for a Wall Street bank. There's no shortage of Hillary Clinton speeches on the Internet you can get for free. Hillary Clinton is a politician. She speaks for, yeah, I mean, that's splatter stuff. That's just... That's not art, actually. That's just splattery crap. Would you spend half a million dollars for that? Not if you were an art collector. Not if you were a normal human. You would spend half a million dollars on that to launder money. It's like when banks would have Hillary speak for a quarter million dollars. Are banks going to learn something about banking from Hillary Clinton? Are they going to learn about new derivatives and financial markets and, you know, digital decentralized finance is Hillary Clinton a renowned world expert on um, you know quantitative easing would she understand any of that would anyone in the audience be listening or would they be checking their cell phones the whole time you spend a quarter million dollars on a Hillary Clinton speech at least in the lead up to 2016 because you want her to answer your phone call if she's elected so she just goes through Wall Street and says hey guys I'm coming through to pick up my quarter million dollar payments. Um, we'll call it a speech so it's not a bribe. But at least she shows up and maybe answers some questions and shakes hands. So call it a very expensive autograph. And at least Hillary Clinton did something. She was a senator. She was um, secretary of state. I mean, she's awful at all those positions. But at least she had done something. Imagine Hunter Biden selling that quote, art for half a million bucks a pop. That is pure money laundering. And at first the White House said, oh, but it's, we're going to keep the buyers secret. So Hunter Biden won't know who he owes this money to. Well, how are you going to do that? If I'm buying one of those pieces of art for half a million dollars, you're damn sure I'm going to make sure Hunter knows it's, it's me. But now it turns out it's not secret. Did you find the story where... Um, Hunter Biden's art dealer said he wanted to be the lead guy in China in 2015. Um, yeah, his art dealer. Can you pump that up just one notch for me, size-wise? Let me see if I can read the story there. The art dealer representing the president's son has long-standing ties to China and said in 2015 that he wanted to be the art world's lead guy in China. George Berge, who is representing Hunter Biden as he ventures into the art world, has talked about his business dealings in China in the past. But his uh, reported ties could pose an ethics issue. You think, you think, why would someone in China buy such shite? Because the same reason, thanks, the same reason that uh, a natural gas company in Ukraine hires Hunter Biden. Same reason the Wall Street Bank pays a quarter million dollars to hear from Hillary Clinton. Hunter Biden knows nothing about natural gas. Um, 
it, it's, a, it's a bribe. It's a, a way of legalizing bribery. Um, yeah, welcome to America. Holy moly. Hunter Biden expected to meet with pre, uh, potential art buyers before anonymous sales. Yeah, that's, that's the one I was really interested in because they're not even pretending he won't know who his half-million-dollar payers are. It's just quite incredible to me. Um, and the media doesn't much care. Can you imagine if that was Donald Trump Jr. selling little doodles to, let's say, Putin? Let's say, yeah, I mean, because, of course, the media claimed, thanks, the media claimed for years that the Trump family was Putin's running dog or whatever. Imagine if Donald Trump Jr. was selling doodles or, or speeches even for half a million bucks a pop to, to say, the um, mayor of Moscow. Well, in fact, speaking of the mayor of Moscow, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow sent, uh, was it $2 million to, to Hunter Biden? I wonder what that, how does the guy burn through so much money? It's incredible. Well, I think we saw a little bit there with his drug habit. Um, we showed the beginning of a clip of Ron DeSantis, and I say that because America's going back into mask mandates, vaccine mandates at the federal level, the state level. I saw the mayor of New York yesterday announcing a big concert in Central Park, but only if you're double vaxxed. Uh, how are they going to check? And that's got to be a civil liberties violation, but I don't think the civil liberties left cares anymore. But there is one politician in the free world who seems to care, seems to effectively communicate it, seems to be able to wield power and get things done. And that is, it won't surprise you to hear, my political hero, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has done a dangerous thing, which is to oppose the mainstream media and the mainstream medical industrial complex. He's even taken on big corporations in his own state. As you know, the cruise ships were talking about having vax passports. And he said, um, if you check people for the vaccine status on your cruise ships in Florida, where they're all based, I'll fine you like 2,000 bucks a, a time you do it or something. And they immediately back down. So that takes courage. Here's Ron DeSantis talking about the new CDC and federal government decision to basically lock down again and mask again. Take a look. You're not getting that done in Florida. I'm going to protect people's livelihoods. I'm going to protect kids' right to go to school. I'm going to protect people's right to run their small businesses. Uh, we have a situation where we have three vaccines that have been widely available for months and months now. And people need to make decisions uh, what's best for them. But to have the government come in and lock anyone down or restrict anybody is totally unacceptable. And it's easy for some physician to advocate that because it doesn't affect them. Uh, it does affect the people in this state. So we're going to lift people up. We're not locking people down. And we're going to make sure that folks are able uh, to exercise their their decision-making, that what's best for them. And I think millions of Floridians have obviously done that uh, for the last year and a half. And so we want to continue to support their effort. I like uh, his style. He's not an anti-vaxxer. He himself, in fact, every single Republican governor, every single one, Michael Tracy checked, every single Republican governor has taken the vaccine and every single Republican governor has recommended it. But there's... But 
he's not saying I'm commanding it. He's not forcing it. He's saying it's a personal choice for everyone to make in their own circumstances. That's, that used to actually be one of the definitions of being liberal. My body, my choice. It's between me and my doctor and God. Um, keep your rosaries off my ovaries. Uh, whatever the pro-choice language was. Um, it's a victimless crime if I smoke marijuana. It's a victimless crime. Like the, the whole left libertine liberal was get the government out of my life, get the government out of my body. And now the government... Now the, the Democrats and the authoritarian left are for forced medical experimentation, really. It really is a medical experiment because this drug is an experimental drug. I say for the 10th time, it is not approved by the FDA. It can't be. It's not done as experimental trials. The reason why we have these different vaccines is because they've been authorized on an emergency basis only. They have not been approved. What's the difference between authorized and approved? Authorized means you're allowed to. Approved means they passed the test. They're still being tested. Um, since when do governments have the power to force a medical procedure on anyone? And since when do, people, do governments have the power to force people to be part of a medical experiment? Especially one where there are known side effects. And, and again, if you simply go to the drug, go to Pfizer's website. Just type in Pfizer... Yeah, but it's really one of the first things you find. I mean, I go to Pfizer. It's the same on all these, all these drug companies. Of course, they're worried about liability. They are not engaging in the crazy talk. Like the other day, I showed you a video by Toronto's mayor, John Tory, where he said these vaccines are fully uh, safe and effective. The drug companies do not say that. Yeah. Can you pump that up a bit? So this is, as you can see, it's on the Pfizer website. Um, I'll read in the bold. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has not, do you see the word not there? Being approved or licensed by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. But has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA under an emergency use authorization, EUA, to prevent coronavirus in individuals 12 years and older. The emergency use of this product is only authorized for the duration of the declaration that circumstances exist justifying the authorization of emergency use. So scroll down a bit. Uh, okay, maybe click the fact sheet. Like I said, click on the fact sheet here. You see that? Okay, can you pump that up? Thank you very much. And can you go down to... Uh, oh, may not be for everyone. Oh, I thought, it, I, I thought I was told it was may not protect everyone. Um, Two-dose series, three weeks apart. Oh, because Canada said it's mix and match. This is, a, this is a Pfizer document. What is the vaccine? It's an unapproved vaccine that may prevent COVID-19. There is no FDA-approved vaccine to prevent COVID-19. Oh, and look at the date on that, June 25, 2021. Because John Tory, that great scholar and trustworthy sage, said it's perfectly safe and effective. The FDA has authorized it under emergency use. We talked about that. What should you mention to your vaccination provider before you get the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19? Tell the vaccination provider about all of your medical conditions, including if you have any allergies, have had myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, 
or periocarditis, inflammation of the lining outside the heart, have a fever, bleeding on a blood thinner, immunocompromised on a medicine that affects your immune system, are pregnant or plan to become pregnant, are breastfeeding, have received another COVID-19 vaccine, have ever fainted, do you think that they're asking all these questions in Canada? I actually don't think they are. Um, who should get the Pfizer vaccine? Well, FDA has authorized the use of it for people 12 years and older who should not get the Pfizer vaccine. Oh, I thought everyone should. That's what John Tory said, and he's really smart. If you've had a severe allergic reaction after a previous dose of the vaccine, if you had a severe allergic reaction to any ingredient of the vaccine. Do you think anyone in, let's see, these free clinics in Toronto where they give ice cream out if you take the vaccine, do you think, do you think they even ask that question? What are the ingredients, by the way? And then a bunch of ingredients there. How is the vaccine given? Injection into the muscle. Two doses, three weeks apart. That's weird. In Canada, they do it differently. I'm sure that science is different in Canada. If you receive one dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, you should receive a second dose of the same vaccine three weeks later to complete the vaccination series. Has this vaccine ever been used before? It's an unapproved vaccine in clinical trials. Approximately 23,000 individuals, 12 years of age or older, have received at least one dose. So that's another way of saying, no, it hasn't been used before. We're just testing it. What are the benefits? Well, prevent COVID following two's dose. The duration of protection is currently unknown. Thanks for being honest, more honest than politicians. I think they have to be honest because they'll be sued into oblivion if they lie, unlike politicians. What are the risks of the COVID-19 vaccine? Oh, John told me, Tory said it was perfectly safe. So what is even Pfizer talking about? They should check with John Tory because he knows. There is a remote chance that the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine could cause a severe allergic reaction. It would usually occur within a few minutes. For this reason, your vaccination provider may ask you to stay at the place where you received your vaccine for monitoring after vaccination. Signs of a re uh, severe allergic reaction include difficulty breathing, swelling of your face and throat, a fast heartbeat, a bad rash all over your body, dizziness and weakness. No, that can't be true. John Tory told me it's not true. Myocarditis and pericarditis have occurred in some people who have received the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. In most of these people, symptoms began within a few days following receiving the second dose. The chance of this occur is very low. You should seek medical attention, you think? If you have chest pain, shortness of breath, feelings of having a fast beating, fluttering or pounding heart. I don't know why they're saying such misinformation. John Torrey told me it was completely safe. Side effects that have been reported include severe allergic reactions, non-severe allergic reactions, myocarditis, pericarditis, injection site pain, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever, injection site swelling, injection site redness, nausea, feeling unwell, swollen lymph nodes, diarrhea, vomiting, arm pain. These may not be all the possible side effects. Serious and unexpected side effects may occur. It's still being studied in clinical trials. 
What should I do about side effects? If you experience severe allergic reactions, call 911. Call the vaccination provider. Report it to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS. Here's the toll-free number. Um, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. What if I decide not to get the vaccine? It is your choice to receive or not receive the vaccine. Should you decide not to receive it, it will not change your standard medical care. Hang on. So Pfizer is saying you don't have to take it and it won't change your standard medical care. But so many people are saying, no, it will. Are other choices available? Yeah, currently there's no approved alternative, but other vaccines may be available under emergency use authorization. That's true, of course. Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson. Oh, look at this. Can I receive the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine with other vaccines? And they say, and this is current as of last month, there's no information on the use of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine with other vaccines. Well, Justin Trudeau said it was safe, so shouldn't we listen to Dr. Trudeau, MD? What if I'm pregnant or breastfeeding? If you're pregnant or breastfeeding, discuss your options with your healthcare provider. I thought earlier they, they said that's a warning issue. Will it give you COVID? No, they say. Keep your vaccination card. Scroll down, is that it? No, how can I learn more? Where will my vaccine information be recorded? In your state or local jurisdiction's immunization information system. Can I be charged an administration fee for receipt of the COVID-19 vaccine? No. Okay. Where can I report cases of suspected fraud? Okay. What is the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program? It's a federal program that may help pay for costs of medical care and other specific expense of certain people who've been seriously injured by certain medicines or vaccines, including this vaccine. Oh, wow. So they set up a compensation program if you get sick from their vaccine. Huh, I didn't know that. What is an emergency use authorization? We already know that, scroll down. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's not undergone the same type of test. And there you have it. So that's a pretty long disclaimer. How many pages is that? Seven pages. Seven pages of what lawyers call the fine print with references to other fine print. Justin, I've been following this story as you have for more than a year now. The vax has been really commonplace for half a year now. I learned some new things today. Did you learn some new things from that document? We should put this up as a separate little video. Um, the first thing I learned was all the warnings that you are supposed to receive before getting the vax. And I just don't think that those warnings are being given everywhere. Certainly when they're offering free Krispy Kreme donuts, free lottery tickets, free ice cream to kids. The second thing I learned is that according to Pfizer, not taking the vaccine is not supposed to affect your medical treatment, but it sure sounds like you are another, the, the whole idea of a vaccine passport says you have to take it. Um, I learned, I, I knew this from before, but it, it was confirmed to me that when Justin Trudeau says you can mix and match uh, doses and that it, 
you can wait weeks, weeks, weeks instead of the three weeks here that Justin Trudeau is lying, that that's not what the company says. I knew that there was a vaccine reaction reporting system, VAERS it's called. I didn't know that there was a compensation fund. Sounds like people need compensation and have needed it in the past. I learned a lot from that. Um, but most of it was a reminder that this is an experiment. They're not done experimenting and you're only authorized to use it because of the emergency. It is not yet approved. It is an experimental medication and they say that about five different ways there. I simply don't believe most people who get the vax have been truly briefed and I don't think that a minor child of age 12 or 13 can even understand those things. And boy, they sure talk a lot about pregnant moms and breastfeeding moms, don't they? Um, if you're pregnant or about to get pregnant or breastfeeding, uh, there's about 20 alarm bells in there about your situation. I don't know, would you take an experimental med? Especially now that we know that the survival rate of this virus is what, 99.5% and for people under age 60, it's even higher. Very crazy. I'm gonna take some super chats. On Rumble, Ryan Rusty. They will open the schools long enough to jab your kids behind your back. I don't doubt that will happen because remember, in Ontario at least, and probably other jurisdictions, they're allowing 12-year-olds to consent. Sorry, a 12-year-old, you can, a 12-year-old is a child. There is no definition in which a 12, uh, there's no jurisdiction or definition in which a 12-year-old is not a child, and yet they're allowing 12-year-olds to consent without parental consent. And you know that the teachers' unions and busybody guidance counselors and, and creepy, the kind of creepy folks who say, don't tell your parents this. This is just our little secret. You know they're going to be at full force. On Super U, Jack M, will health ministers be held legally responsible for personal bias, destroying businesses or economy? Listen, if they're not going to be held politically responsible, do you think some judge is going to hold them legally responsible? Super U, devil's advocate. Fauci's like the pest control guy that plants the mice in your basement and shows up to help you. Could be. I've never heard of that analogy before. Rumble, rocks, 4N3. They will blame unvax for anything now. Our public, we are public enemy number one. You're right. They're doing that. Even though in places like the UK and Israel, very, very vaxxed places, we see that the vaccinated are, in fact, getting the, the virus again. Um... Super U Devil's Advocate makes you want to just run out and get the shot, doesn't it? Yeah, holy moly. Super U Bishop does, sure does. I am anxious to enjoy all these wonderful side effects. Rumble, joyful art from the heart. How do they explain to a 12-year-old all these medical things about their rights? They don't. Share 21, we don't mix and match alcoholic drinks. That's stupidity and will lead to a hangover. Enough said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I have a friend whose mom's a nurse who was given some guidance, says, oh, it's mix and match. It's even better. It's, it's even more protection. Yeah, no, sister, it ain't. Or at least it hasn't been tested. At least it hasn't been tested. And you're listening to Dr. Trudeau, which is probably not a good idea. Um, so where is this going? I saw a most disturbing video out of the United Kingdom. It's a pregnant woman 
who's about to have a baby. She's in the hospital. She's about to give birth. And it's not about vaccination. It's about a PCR test, which have lately been discredited by the CDC, the kind where they jam something up your nose. I've never had that, and I never will. Um, listen to this video. Listen for the words. They talk about, is the baby your property, or is it the property of the state? They talk about calling social services on this family. They talk about whether or not the family can even leave the hospital. Take a listen. There's a British accent there, so you've got to strain if you're not used to it. Take a listen. Right or wrong? Because it is my property. So you will while, while the baby's in your abdomen. What, so you're saying to me, once the baby comes out, it's not my property no more. Yes, it is. I gave birth to okay, it. It's so got my blood running through its baby. Okay, Stacey, I'm just trying to explain to well, you. Well, you're what not helping me. You see what you're doing? Right, now you're, you're, now you're stressing. Oh, they mean it. Well, I'm going to stop you now because I want to hear no more of it. Okay, well, that's just my duty. Yes, and you know you're genetic. Because you told me about five bloody times. And I'm sick of hearing it. I don't need the stress. Once again, I'll let you stress me out. I haven't leaked all day. Now I'm leaking. Do you really think I need this bullshit about COVID when I've got a risk of losing my baby or possibly something? Exactly. You're more worried about the COVID than the baby. No, but it's COVID. Do you know what, Stacey? Let's get our stuff and get out of here now because this is pissing me off. We're signing ourselves out now, Stacey. Because they're not COVID testing my baby. End of. So we're gonna, they said they're going to get security if we don't apply now. <laughs> this is wicked. Do you know this is going viral, yeah? This is disgusting. I am all day long, so I am not in your company because I know how you all feel, you know? I know you don't want me here, really. I know you don't want to have to do what you've got to do because of this stupid complying, complying crap. But I'm sorry, when it comes to care for a patient or something, you've got to understand and, and, and listen to what they're saying. You can't tell me that you get to give me the go, get to give me the say of what happens once my baby's born. I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you know, I even spoke to a police officer, people like that. We spoke to doctors and nurses you and everything. You can't do nothing to my baby without my permission. So can you, I'll stop you there. Alright. End of. So, so, uh, just so that I'm clear, this will be documented in your notes that we can. Okay. And this is now going to go viral so to, to, to other nurses, other nurses and social services as well. We will let the neonatal team that we've had. They already know. We already know our feelings. We already know our deal. And we will also, um, about COVID testing the baby. The, um, the, uh, team. That's fine. Oh, okay. That's how I bring them on. Okay. Um, it reminds me of a terrible, terrible case in the UK where a baby, uh, where, not a baby, a, a young child was dying and the parents wanted to take him to Italy for a chance at a different therapy. And the British authorities literally would not let the parent take the child out of the hospital. They basically sentenced the child to die. Perhaps the Italian uh, medical uh, therapy was too experimental, but as we can see, the whole world is now being subjected to the great experiment of an unapproved vaccine. There's something deeply wrong about a state-run medical system that treats you as the property of the state as opposed to NHS. I think that stands for National Health Service. But they're not your servants, are they? They're your master. And um, I don't remember the details of that case of the 
British child who was forced to stay and die. I remember reading some American wags saying that's why we have the Second Amendment. It's true that if your child was being sentenced to die by some prissy, punctilious, public health busybody, you that's so appalling that's basically them sentencing your child to die. I'm not saying it would be proper to be violent, but if you went in and grabbed your child um, and took your child, I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is. I think, I'm trying to remember what that American pundit said. He basically said, this is why we have the Second Amendment. And I don't think he meant to storm it and release the baby. It's, it's not that. I think the point of the Second Amendment is not that you're shooting at authority. I don't think it's that uh, very much. I think it's precisely the opposite, that you wouldn't have anyone in governmental authority who would dare to psychologically feel comfortable saying we're sentencing your child to die or your child is not your property, your child is our property, we're going to stick a big swab up your newborn's nose. Yeah, Alfie Evans, thank you. British toddler Alfie Evans, not allowed to leave the country. Like that little, little baby. I don't even want to read that story anymore. It gets me too upset. That's such a terrible story. For those of you who have a stronger stomach than me, Google Alfie Evans. I don't even want to think about it. They sentenced that child to die. And this U.S. pundit said, he wasn't saying Second Amendment is so we go into the hospital and free the baby, military style. He was saying, I think, you would never try that on an independent and population that has the Second Amendment. The government would never dream of being so tyrannical unless they're dealing with powerless sheep. And I've felt that feeling again, the Alfie Evans feeling again, in that, in that maternity ward. Um, but it's the media too. Look at this Australian video. Here's an Australian video, a reporter. Take a look. If the, if the AstraZeneca take-up doesn't improve, when do you get to the point when you actually go hardcore and say, if you don't have the AstraZeneca and you do qualify, you can't go to a supermarket or you can't go to this particular place? You know, I think it's always a balance in a kind and democratic society as to what you do in... We're looking at homes at the moment. ...as a one in 100 year pandemic, and that's part of the balance. And I think that the messaging that we're giving day after day is to take the community with us, and that's the emphasis that certainly I would have. <laughs> you see my point? It's not just the politicians, the media. Who was that journalist egging on the government to segregate people based on their private medical status? I don't want to take an experimental vaccine. Well, then you're not allowed to go to the grocery store. What? Who, who, are, who are you? It's a journalist that's egging that on. I think the media has been amongst the worst offenders in this whole time. Um, so Alberta lifted most aspects of the lockdown, of course, except they're still prosecuting Arthur and David Pavlovsky, the two um, pastors from Calgary. I, I recommend you go to SaveArthur.com. Can we play a little bit of my short video? I think we put this up yesterday. You know the case, Arthur Pavlovsky, he's the one who said, get out to the cops, the armed cops who came to his church. And um, they served him with a warrant, uh, a court order. 
He uh, opened his church for one hour and ten minutes, if I'm not mistaken, in defiance of that court order. So they threw him in jail for three days. And he was out of jail. And now, and the, the lockdowns are lifted, so you can go to church in Alberta, go to... Everything's open in Alberta. But the government is not done. They want to take him back to prison for 21 days because he won't say sorry. I know you think, no, Ezra, that can't be that. No, they, they specifically say because he won't apologize, we have to purge his contempt. Take a look. Arthur Pavlovsky, the fighting Polish pastor from Calgary, who served three days in prison for daring to open his church during the lockdown, I have in my hand a brief from the government of Alberta. They're taking him back to court. They want to jail him for an additional 21 days. The lockdown in Alberta has been lifted. It's been lifted for weeks, but this was filed two weeks after the lockdown was lifted. They want to take him back to jail. You can see this document for yourself at SaveArthur.com, paragraph 54. They want to put him back in prison for 21 days and his brother, David Pavlovsky, for 10 days. This is a five-alarm fire. If you thought Arthur Pavlovsky was free, he is not. He is in grave jeopardy, and I regret to tell you that the government of Alberta has had success prosecuting him so far. I am at the law firm of JSS Barristers in Calgary, where I'm meeting with two members of the four-person legal team that we have crowdfunded to defend Arthur Pavlovsky. Let me start with you, our lead lawyer, Sarah. Sarah, you have been the lawyer for Arthur for more than a year. You have helped him. You've won some of the battles, but we did lose one battle. I'm worried that he's going to go to prison for 21 days. Is that a real possibility? On my legal analysis, it shouldn't be, but that is what Alberta Health Services is seeking, and it is fully within the discretion of the court to award what they've asked. Oh, and, and they're actually comparing him to eco-terrorists. The cases they cite, the precedents for jailing someone are actually people breaking into pipeline facilities and, and violent acts against property, vandalism, mischief, shutting down. Like, to compare a pastor to that, that's what the government of Alberta is saying in this pleading. Well, and frankly, that's the, that's the analogy they have to draw, because otherwise, if they drew reasonable analogies, they wouldn't get your 21 days of prison. Sarah Miller, JSS Barristers, thank you. Chad Haggerty, it's a pleasure to meet you. You have joined the legal dream team, as I call it. You're a criminal lawyer, but what's interesting is for 17 years, you were a Mountie, a police officer with the RCMP. I got to ask you a question just from your police experience. A 21-day prison term? On top of the three days he's already served, that just that doesn't sound like it's proportionate. I, if if he would have punched someone in the face at his church and been charged, he wouldn't have a 21-day sentence. This sounds uh, out of sorts. It is uh, for an individual with no criminal record, with a long history of assisting marginalized populations, providing food, providing shelter, providing warm clothes, providing ministry to to individuals that, that are without means. Somebody with that background who's committed essentially a first-time offense, for them to be facing a custodial period, a period in jail? Is longer interview with those guys up hopefully later today. Um, you know, can you do me a, a favor if you're interested, if you've got the time? Uh, I've uploaded, can you show it? Go to savearthur.com. 
I've uploaded that 21-page Government of Alberta court filing um, on SaveArthur.com. So this is a document that was drafted by the government prosecutors who work for Tyler Shandro, the health minister in Alberta. Yeah, so this is our, our main page, but scroll down a little bit. Yeah, there it is. Can you click on that a bit and uh, pump it up uh, uh, size-wise? So you can see it was filed in the Court of Queen's Bench. Scroll down a little bit. It's against Arthur Pavlovsky and his brother. You can see it was written by two lawyers. I scroll up a tiny bit there, John Siddons and Kyle Fowler. So scroll down a little bit. Go to paragraph 20, uh, is it 21? Can you do a, a find? Can you find, uh, you, you know, search on, yeah, 21, type 21. Yeah, and click till we find, yeah, oh, keep going, keep going. There, oh, yeah, go back up. Um, where they, I want to show that they're looking for 21 days. Yeah, in the view of the foregoing, Alberta Health Service requests the following sanctions be rendered against the respondent's contempt of court in the case of Arthur Pavlovsky, a term of imprisonment of 21 days, and David, 10 days. Now, can you um, type in the word apology? Or just, yeah, apology, yeah, and, yeah, APO, and then stop there because I want to include apology. Yeah, so to this day, the respondents have failed to offer any admission of guilt or apology. How many times does the word apology appear? Nine times. Click again. Neither has made an apology. Click again. To the extent either made an apology, that apology should not be considered genuine. Click again. Yeah, just again and again and again. They're not apology. Apology, 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 apology. Thanks. So, folks, what is this about? Why are they being... Why are the prosecutors of Jason Kenney and Tyler Shandro and Casey Madu? why are they going to court? Have these brothers broken the lockdown again? No, the lockdown is lifted in Alberta. Is it that they're illegally holding church services again? <laughs> Could you imagine that it was ever illegal? No, like I say, churches are allowed to open in Alberta now. So why are they being prosecuted again? They already served three days in prison, which in my view is inappropriate, given that there's no custodial sentences contemplated in these health orders. So they served three days in prison, in my view, illegally. They were, in my view, illegally arrested in a shocking SWAT team-style takedown in the middle of the highway with cars whizzing by, very dangerous. So why are they going back to court again? What did they do wrong? Did they break another law? I just showed you. They refused to apologize. They refused to bend the knee. They refused to renounce their belief their faith that they ought to be able to have church. Voluntary, and by the way, the church service in question, they were outdoors, where there's no such thing as transmitting. Um, like the, the, I don't even know if there's been any cases of recorded transmission of the virus in Canada for being outdoors. It's just not a thing. You think it's over in Alberta? Best summer ever. You think the lockdown's over? Go to SaveArthur.com and read with your own eyes a pleading, a court filing by not one but two prosecutors who were backed up by an enormous staff. They've probably spent a million dollars going after the Pavlovskys. And they want to throw him in prison for three weeks. And, and you saw me ask Chad Haggerty, the criminal lawyer who for 17 years 
was an RCMP officer. He was a Mountie. I said to him, if Arthur, instead of would have invited people to his church, if he would have punched them in the face, would he have received 21 days? And, and he said, no. First offense, you punch someone in the face, you're going to get a community service and conditional discharge. And I know that's true. So for inviting them to church, he is getting a 21, if the government succeeds, 21-day prison term, whereas if he would have punched every one of them in the face, he wouldn't even, according to our criminal lawyer, ex-bounty, he likely wouldn't have even had a day in jail. And I know that's true for first offenders. Yeah, it's really bad. There is one that, what's that? Okay, let's just take a couple of super chats here really quick. Um, Super U Bishop sure does. I am anxious to enjoy these wonderful side effects. Uh, Oh, I read that already. Rumble, MVP9337. They must be those TikTok nurses. Oh, yeah, you're talking about those, uh, that British nurse. I'm not religious, but I'd go to church to listen to him. To Arthur Pavlovsky, yeah, I'd like to hear what he has to say. I want to close with one more story out of Calgary. Um, It's a story from Trudeau, CBC state broadcaster. You know, about half a million people went to the Stampede. You know, the Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth. It's sort of like rodeo stuff and outdoor fair, and they have music, and it's, you know, drinking and Stampede breakfast, like pancakes and stuff. Like, it's really fun. Uh, Everyone dresses up as cowboys. So it's, they call it the greatest show, outdoor show on earth. Maybe it is. Um, it was diminished a bit, but uh, it was canceled last year. This year they had it again. Apparently half a million people went over the course of time, which is obviously down from previous years. But look at this CBC story here. At least 71 people caught COVID-19 at Calgary Stampede. That's seven cases per day, or 0.01% of the 528,000 attendees, the festival says. Sarah Riger, CBC News, she is the worst. She is a wicked liar. I've dealt with her personally. The Calgary Stampede says at least 71 people caught COVID-19. Seven cases a day? You don't say. Dan, um, Dana Pierce, the Stampede's interim CEO, said he feels the event, which ran from July 9 to 18, was a success, despite the on-site transmission. So you've got half a million people and you have 71 cases. Uh, as far as we know, none of them went to the hospital. None of them died. It's like the flu. Hey, how many STDs? Uh, were caught by people fraternizing. You know, a lot of people come in from out of town and rambunctious. Um, That is not news, that 71 people got a flu-like disease, none of which uh, are reported to be serious at all. That is not news. That is propaganda from the wicked liars at the CBC trying to have a drumbeat for another lockdown. They don't believe any of this themselves, by the way. Their own president, Catherine Tate, lives in Brooklyn and commutes every week to her job in Canada without quarantining. She's exempt from the quarantine because she's very important. And the virus knows, don't touch the important people, just go after the unimportant people, 71 people to stampede, none of whom, from reports say, got sick. Significant case increases likely, doctor says. However, James Talbert, a former chief medical officer of health for the province, and a professor, well, you gotta listen to him, said he wouldn't expect to see many cases showing up um, until August. We're likely to see significant increases until the end of August, said Talbot. You know what, I actually went online. Can you go, I know it's 107, can you go to the Alberta COVID stats? 
These are the biggest, worstest liars. And they're counting on you not going to check the stats. They're counting on you not knowing the difference between a case and a positive test and a false positive and someone actually getting sick, like with symptoms and serious sickness. So you have, in the entire province of nearly 5 million people, you got 82 folks in hospitalization. Um, go, first of all, let's just remind people, go to comorbidity. Scroll up just a little bit. You know how to do that there? There we go. So 84% of people who died with it also had hypertension. 52% also had heart disease. 51% also had renal disease, uh, kidneys, I think. Half were also demented. 40%, like just, in fact, scroll down a little bit. There's a chart on the left, that big pink bar there. Uh, so three quarters of people who died had three or more extremely serious conditions. Average age, what's the average age of death? Is it 83? So um, I got to tell you, they weren't at the uh, stampede. People who are vulnerable, you're 85 and dementia and heart disease and liver failure and kidney failure, you're not, you're not at the stampede. Young and healthy, so the average age is 80 years old. Yeah, I see that there, thank you. Um, go to uh, active cases. Um, and I just wanna see if I can see the chart by days. Go down a bit, um, maybe it's not on this page. Go to hospitalizations. Let's do that. Sorry, I'm giving you, a, putting you through the paces here. I spent some time on this website last night about, oh my God, panic, panic, panic. Um, can you go to hospitalizations? Because the hospitalization rate in the ICU is the lowest it's been in a year. Keep scrolling. It's the two, yeah, this is the chart here. So does that look like it's going to explode? So um, when you go in that pink line on the far right, what's that pink line on the far right there? What's, what is it at? 26. 21. Yes, yeah, 21. So in the entire province of Alberta, you have 21 people in um, ICU. And you can see all the numbers are trending down. They're not trending up. The last time it was that low was almost a year ago. It's over. But the CBC wants it back so bad they can taste it. They're wicked liars, the CBC. Okay, take that down, thanks. Um, I think I've got through pretty much most of what I want to do. Let me end with a laugh, because we could all use a laugh. You know, there's a comedian I've been following more and more. He's really good. His name is Ryan Long. Brian Long. And I, I'm still catching up on his work. He's been active for a while. He does great streeters, great sketches. I have, Tim Dillon is my favorite. But this Ryan Long is a close number two. I want to play for you a video he did. I'll let it speak for itself. Let me show you this. Take a look. My name's Clark, and I'm the editor who cuts out scenes from Hollywood movies for the China releases. Clip that out. You know, whether that be an LGBTQ kiss, something a little too diverse. They would not want that. Anything encouraging protesting or overtly sexual. And once I'm able to isolate those scenes, I put them in a bin right here. Gay scenes. And then I'm able to use those exact sections of the films to create little promos for social media celebrating the <laughs> movies we've just extracted from the China releases. 
For example, I just removed all of the gay kiss scenes from Bohemian Rhapsody. That was a big no-go for China. Back in for the China release. And the Star Wars lesbian kiss scene, of course. And I was able to use both of those scenes for my Love is Love compilation for the studio's Pride Month social. If you've ever watched a progressive scene in a movie, just know that I'm the person who removed it for audiences in China. I'm sort of like a utility player for some of these studios. Look on the topic of Star Wars, I was doing the graphics recently. See, I had two different posters here. So what I did was I was able to isolate the black actor in the American version. We're able to make John substantially smaller here. And then I was also able to take that isolated photo for a We Celebrate Diversity social media post that we're working on here in America. 007 Skyfall, I got rid of some references to prostitution. I like to think of myself as a general fixer. Just recently I edited out the Tiananmen Square footage from Activision's Black Ops Cold War trailer. See right here we had Know Your History or Be Deemed to Repeat It. We're doomed to just get rid of that altogether. I'm gonna take that and use it for uh, We Support Protest domestically. Post. You know, sometimes me and the studio heads will joke around that on the editing floor it's no homo and China's homo. Or diversity when not overseas. It's a very complicated puzzle. I mean, recently America has made huge moves to support LGBTQ and diversity initiatives at home. But it goes without saying that progress can't come at the expense of these studios' profits, so we have to tread a fine line. This scene was a big no in China. In industries outside of Hollywood, this game can be a little simpler. You know, Google CEO, for example, was able to vocalize his support for protests domestically while removing any protest-related apps from the App Store in China. And it goes relatively undetected. But in the movie business, it's a more difficult puzzle to solve. The actors in these films have been recently very vocal of their participation in the movement. So it's very important to those actors that we still appear to be supporting those movements here even though they're being wiped from the films entirely abroad, thus preserving their public image domestically. Protest for thee, but not for Chinese. He's so, 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 so good. You know, it's one thing to have, one thing just to talk about cutting out those scenes in China. I mean, that's, that's, that's good and that's funny. But how brilliant is it, the concept, he's cutting them out and emphasizing them as, you know, gay pride or, or whatever he was doing. In the, that, that is a level of clever you don't see on, oh, I don't know, um, Saturday Night Live. Before we go, I want you to do one more thing. I, this hour is 22 minutes. The government comedians at CBC State Broadcaster they actually called someone else unfunny yesterday. Uh, it's not important. Uh, yeah, I reply to it. You know, don't even, don't even dig it. It's, I don't even want you to spend a minute on it. But just imagine that CBC's government journalists, sorry, government comedians working for the state broadcaster. This hour is 22 minutes. Those are the government comedians. The world is full of unfunny comedians. By definition, 99% of comedians are not funny enough to earn a living at it. One of my favorite lawyers is an amateur comedian. It's, he does it as a hobby because he's smart enough to know, you know, he thinks he's funny and he goes to open night or open mic night and he'll get a laugh and he'll work on it. But to make a living in comedy, to get paid, certainly to get as paid as much as he does as a lawyer, you're one, you're one in a million. I mean, how many working comedians are there in Canada? Do you think, I mean, Justin, you know some comedians. How many comedians are there in Canada who have a full-time job as a comedian and make, let's say, 75 grand a year or more after expenses? Do you think there's 20? 
in the whole, like, like, so it's one in a million. Let's say there's 38. Canada's population is about 38 million. Do you even think there's 38 full-time comedians in Canada who aren't living, like, poverty level? I, I don't even think there's 38. I just don't think there is. Thirty-eight guys making a living. I don't think it's one in a million. To be funny enough to to eat and to buy a house and to live a real life, you're one in a million. You're one in a million. I think Ryan Long is that, and Tim Dillon's just killing it these days, and Dave Chappelle. I mean, th listen, we know their names because they're so funny. The guys who can't hack it but aren't grown up enough to move on in life and become a real other thing and just have comedy as their hobby. The guys who think they're funny and they won't give up the dream even though they're not funny, those are the guys who become government comedians. They're the unfunniest ones. And look at this. They said, a survey says Prince Edward Island is the least funny province in Canada, which is surprising since their dirt is so irony. <laughs> Sign that guy up. Can I can I get I can I get a can I get a tight five from you? Can you come and do a, can you come down to Yuck Yucks tonight? I'm going to sell out the crowd. Oh man, that was, you know, did you get that? Irony, their soil is so irony. Guys, you nailed it. Woohoo! You nailed it. We got to put you on tour. We got to put you on tour. Oh Yeah. Uh, yeah, here's another one. Doug Ford said that he'll hop in a bus and drive kids to school in September if he has to. The longest route anyone has taken to achieve their dream job. Oh, man. You know what's fun about the, the Saturday 22 Minutes uh, government comedians is sometimes I count the ratio of unfunny jokes they make about, well, not just anything. Like that, new, that Prince Edward Island joke was perhaps the dumbest thing I've seen from them all year. But the ratio of criticizing anyone else in politics other than their boss. Like they work for the CBC, so they work for Justin Trudeau. They miss Donald Trump so much because they expiated their, they, they knew they had, well, comedy is essentially subversive. Um, Orwell said every joke is a little revolution. But the CBC is not allowed to make fun of Trudeau, at least not in any serious way. So they would misdirect by really being tough on Donald Trump. Okay, thanks. The, uh, he's the leader of another country, and I think the American comedians have that well in hand, and we're Canadian taxpayers, and we're paying you, and um, you're obsessed with Donald Trump. Like, it would be like 5 to 1, 10 to 1 tweets about Trump versus any Canadian politician. That, that was not a particularly funny joke about um, Doug Ford, but the ratio of jokes, and they, they're not allowed to talk about deeply embarrassing or hurtful things to the liberals. Like they're not allowed to talk about Rose Knight, the woman who was sexually assaulted by Justin Trudeau in Creston, BC. They're not allowed to talk about Selena Cesar Chavan, the black woman who was fired by Justin Trudeau. They're not allowed to talk about Jody Wilson-Raybould, the indigenous justice minister who was fired by Justin Trudeau. So when you're not allowed to talk about the government's worst failings, which is where the humor is, showing the contradictions, mockery, when you're not allowed to mock the powerful because you eat out of the hand of the powerful, you get increasingly desperate. So you mock conservatives because you know that'll please the boss. 
Alberta Premier Jason Kenney says Alberta will not bring in COVID-19 vaccine passports, or at least not until you're allowed to wear a cowboy hat in the picture. Like, that's just not even funny. Like, I just, I, I, don't, even, I don't even see the joke there. Like, you know what? I, I suppose I would accept left-wing government humor if it was really funny. But being a funny government comedian is like saying you're a badass government punk band. If you work for the government, by definition, you're like the Muzak you hear in elevators. You can't be disruptive or uh, a dissenter because you were eating out of Justin Trudeau's hands. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has announced plans to sue Twitter, Facebook, and Google, claiming he was wrongfully censored. The judgment will be made by Instagram Story Poll. You guys, no, you went there. Instagram Story Poll, you nailed it. You nailed it. Trump's been gone six months, but they just, he's, they, it's not that he's living in their head rent-free. That's part of it. It's that they're not allowed to make fun of Justin Trudeau. If you are a government comedian, you are the lowest of the low. And I, I, I have to say comedians generally. You know my views on comedians, Justin. You know, God bless them, and I like to tell a joke myself. And we had a couple of your buddies who, who, who did some comedy stuff for us a few years ago. I really liked them. Like, listen, but, but in general, the industry, would you agree with me that the industry is pretty gross? What's that, what's that comedian who has a show, sort of a real-life semi-autobiographical? What's that one falling down or crashing, crashing, crashing? Did you like crashing? You liked it more than me. I watched it, and all I could think about was what an awful man he was. And I know it was just comedy. You know, it was just fictionalization. It wasn't true. It wasn't a, it wasn't a documentary on his life. It was a fictionalization and dramatization. But I was repulsed by him and how he refused, like Peter Pan syndrome. He wouldn't grow up. He wouldn't do serious things in life. He wouldn't earn a living. He was so low that he would hand out flyers on the street for an event for the right to be on stage. He wouldn't even get paid. He had to f basically pay to get on stage. The patheticness of it. I'm not, you know, follow your dream, but earn a living too. Do it on the side, like my lawyer friend. Come to terms with the fact that you're not the one in a million funny. Ryan Long, one in a million. Tim Dillon, one in a million. Dave Chappelle, one in a million. Chris Rock, one in a million. Jerry Seinfeld, one You can count them. In Canada, I do not even think it's, there's one in a million. Come to terms with the fact that you are not that funny. And just like Hunter Biden will never be a great artist, you will never be Chris Rock or whoever your hero is. So just accept that and get a real job and grow up. But no, the CBC will hire you as a failed comedian who can't make it in the real world as long as you promise not to joke about Justin Trudeau and you do joke about his enemies and then fill your time with saying, you know, Prince Edward Island, I thought they would be funnier because the soil, get, stay with me here, stay with me. Are you ready for this? All right? Because, because the soil is irony. Bam! That just happened. That just happened. The worst comedians in the world go to the CBC government channel because... They don't know what they look like. 
they don't know how unfunny they are. There are probably some comedians who are funnier than they think. But the ones who go to work for the government are less funny, and they know it, and they've conceded that because they're going for basically humor, comedy, welfare. It's like a government grant. It's like a lobbying for a grant. I'm not funny. I can't cut it in the real world. Can you give me a grant, and I'll tell global warming, globalist, vaccine jokes. They are the lowest rung on the ladder of comedy, which is so low it's in the basement. All right, I'm done. Folks, thanks for watching today. Do we have a dog video to cleanse the palate? All right, we do. I'm going to do my show tonight on Vax Passports. I'm going to read that stupid 22 minutes joke again. There wasn't even a joke there. All right, I'm going to say goodbye. Let's watch this dog video together to feel better about things.